Hello, friends. It's Trevor. It's Avery. It's Jonah. It's the Citywide Special. The Phillies take game one and two of the NLCS against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Aaron Nola delivers another gem on the mound, while Kyle Schwarber leads the way for the offense with two home runs and a 10-0 victory Tuesday night. The Phillies will try to close out the series in Phoenix, where they're practically giving the tickets away. The Eagles suffer their first loss of the season in a disastrous game against the Jets. Lane Johnson leaves with an, in- with an ankle injury. When will the Pro Bowl tackle return? Julio Jones is signed to the squad. What can we expect from the veteran receiver? The Birds will try to rebound Sunday night against the explosive Miami Dolphins. The Flyers win their home opener in an impressive showing against the Vancouver Canucks. The Sixers begin their season Tuesday versus the Milwaukee Bucks, with the James Harden situation still in limbo. All that and more coming up right now. How's it going, fellas? Going, going good. Thanks so much for uh, inviting me back onto the show. Uh, have have some big shoes to fill, obviously, with Pat out. Uh, I feel like this is like a situation where like they bring in a totally different style of backup quarterback. Like Jalen Hurts goes <laughs> down, and then Gardner Minshew comes in, and it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, instead of instead of you know the 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 spicy hot WIP takes, you're going to be getting a lot of stat nerd bullshit yeah we gotta play yeah. a whole new system a whole uh new scheme yeah running running some very vanilla plays you know just uh you know trying to trying to move the move the chains nothing yeah. too fancy all here. the yeah no, no more rpos no no quarterback runs none of that yeah, stuff just under center yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, old school just, just, just handing off Small the ball to deandre swift Peyton every time stuff. yeah <laughs> nice well uh good to have you back jonah uh your second time on the pod right yeah, it's uh, it's a full circle moment. Um, not because my first appearance was the end of the Sixers season, and now we're at the start, but because the first time I was on here, it was the day that the Killers of the Flower Moon trailer dropped, and now we are on the eve of the release yeah, of the latest that? film from Martin Scorsese. Yeah, I was just looking at uh, when I want to see that. Got to get 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 to that. Uh... I don't know. I think they got in the Dolby in the Dolby Digital thing on the, in the fashion district. I'll probably try to go there. Yeah, I always wonder like how serious the Dolby Digital like what like it is cool the sound like with the seat it, shaking. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it was that was definitely awesome in like the when we saw Mission Impossible there because it felt like you're in like an amusement park ride. Basically. Oh yeah, it was like, <laughs> oh, it was, like Universal <laughs> Studios. It was like yeah, the seats like rumbling all this shit. It was wild, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, in uh, you know, a, th- a three and a half hour long uh, historical drama, if it's going to have the same kind of impact, it, it'll, it'll be really funny. Good, it'll be really funny if they do that same thing, and it's just like here's this like very serious meditation on colonialism and America, and yeah. But yeah, anyway, good to have you back. We're ready to talk. Obviously, some Phillies, some Sixers, some Eagles. Got to pour one out for your Atlanta Braves, though. For yeah. Those, for listeners that do not know, Jonah is an Atlanta Braves fan, so you can boo him. See him <laughs> on the street. You can spit on his shoes and call him names. Yeah, I'm uh, publicly opening myself up to embarrassment, but I feel like, you know, say what you will about the Braves, but at least they took that loss like a bunch of cowards and wimps and losers. You know, at least, yeah. they, at least they didn't handle it with any sort of dignity or grace at all. So... Here's well. Here's my question for you as a as a, a Braves fan that I've been curious about is um, why 
did the Braves stop cheating during the playoffs? Is what <laughs> I don't know. They were, they were obviously cheating all season. And during these crucial playoff games, they decided to abandon this strategy that had done so well for them all this time. Like, I just don't, uh, I don't quite, quite get it. Like, did the magnet stop working or whatever? I would, I would guess that they knew that they, they knew that there was more scrutiny. You know, during the playoffs, there's on only them. four games at most happening in a day, so they can look a lot closer. And, yeah, and see what happens. Yeah, I will say, you know, I come by it honestly. I grew up in Atlanta. Um, we we moved there when I was six or seven. Um, so that's the reason I'm a Braves fan. I'm I'm not from Philly originally, uh, which is I feel like a more normal thing than say being a fan of the PPA. Uh, which <laughs> oh for sure. You know, I don't know how you come by that sort of fandom. Uh, but yeah, you know, uh, we're living in a society, people. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor likes his law and order. It's yeah. true. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, uh, fire away both barrels. I, I deserve it. The Braves deserve it. Atlanta deserves it. Like they should, they, they shit their pants every year, but this was an especially spectacular, uh, failure. I thought. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, certainly we can talk about just how the Braves underperformed offensively, but, uh, guess the, the thing that I need to go to first is just how the, the whole, that a boy Harper kind of just galvanized the entire team. Um, I just don't, un- what I don't understand is how the Braves players are, are saying, yeah, the, the, the clubhouse is a sanctuary. We, we aren't <laughs> supposed to be listened to in the clubhouse. Like, yeah. they, they don't yeah. hold that against us. It's, he doesn't even barely speak English. It's like, get the hell out of here with all that. It's, it's wild to me because A, it's the mildest trash talk possible, right? Like, yeah, yeah. there was, on a scale of one to 10, that was like a 0.1. Right. Um, it was completely in bounds to report that. I thought I, I, I actually, uh, am like familiar with the, with the, the guy who actually broke the story. He's, he's a good baseball writer, good mm-hmm. thinker. Um, all of this seems, and it's totally fair for the Phillies to kind of take it and like, you know, make it into a thing where it goes off the rails for me is like, why are the Braves responding? Like they, the media like reported on like, nuclear codes or something like i just don't understand like this isn't a big deal and they made it a big deal and to me it seemed like they had this mentality of like we're losing this series by that like by that time like they and they were looking for like an excuse and a scapegoat instead of you know it was a one-one series at that point it's just a very bizarre way to way to carry yourself in a, in a playoff series when you won 105 games yeah and it was wild to me when you know asked about it you would think that you would just give kind of the you know, the, the standard sort of diplomatic response of like, well, you know, we don't, that doesn't, that's not going to bother us. We're, you know, we know we're a good team, blah, blah, blah. Like they can, the fans can say what they want. They're free to say what they want. We don't really care, blah, blah, blah. But instead they're just like, just acted like fucking like psychotic whiners. <laughs> they're just like, they weren't supposed to hear that. And blah, blah, blah. And that's a, a breach of the, you know, you're saying the, the sanctuary, right. the locker room. And it's like, what are you talking about? So no one can possibly. No one can possibly know that we were celebrating the victory after game two. That's, yeah. And uh, it can't possibly get out, you know? Yeah. Meanwhile, you have the Phillies celebrating winning the series going, fuck the Braves. <laughs> fuck whoever we play next. <laughs> and always the Mets. Yeah. It's like, yeah, they don't care who hears them talking trash on the other team. It's like, why do you guys? Yeah. But, yeah. And then I think the response from i don't know some some like random media people saying like yeah 
like some random jerk off goes into the locker room and just starts recording what these players are saying and just airing it out for the public to see. It's like, like that's no, literally their job. Yeah, he, it's, it's <laughs> a credentialed media person, right? Yeah. Like this guy, I think he writes for the Washington Post, I believe. Who? Yeah, it wasn't like Jake, 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 Jake or uh, the the woman. Jake, he was the, the woman. I forget what she doesn't matter. Uh, Alana Rizzo. Yeah, yeah, Jake. Jake was writing for Yahoo, but he's, Yahoo, he's okay. or he's worked for Fox, I think. Yeah. He used to work for Major League Baseball itself, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're making it sound like it was just like, you know, like, like one of us got a press pass. <laughs> yeah. Snuck in there asking stupid questions or something. No, it'd be cool if one of us had one, but. Yeah. You guys need to work on that for, yeah, for yeah. next year. We get do. The, get the citywide special credentials. Right, just, yeah, see, we can see, how, some... see how fast we can get our credentials revoked. <laughs> I, I predict that if Pat had credentials, he would, <laughs> lose, he would lose them in 20 minutes. <laughs> He'd find a litter box in the, the clubhouse somewhere and just start peeing in it. And that'd be it. I, I will say that, like, I think that this whole just kind of kind of reading about the series and, and watching it. And even before the series, like, it just revealed to me how little the national media knows about baseball or reporting. Because mm-hmm. you get this big kick up where they're basically you have reporters on MLB Network saying don't report stuff, which is a bizarre thing to say. But even going into the series, people were acting like the Phillies were some kind of like underdog you know, I mean, they were underdogs, but like they were acting like they were the Diamondbacks, and right, yeah, uh, they were a completely different team in the second half. They had, uh, you know, once Harper re-entered the lineup and kind of got his power stroke back, and once Turner found out who he was, this was a team that was as good as any team in Major League Baseball, and this was not like last year's series where it was a genuine surprise. Like these were like probably two of the three or four best teams in baseball who happened to be squaring off in this early round. And it was just wild to me that no one treated the series that way, that this was a clash of more or less equals. Yeah, I mean, I'd been saying that going back to, to like, mid-August. I always felt as though, even though Phillies at the time were 10, 12 games back, that they matched up really well with the Braves. But whenever you turned on ESPN or listened to any sort of major baseball podcast, any talk you would hear about is just how, if the Phillies play the Braves in the NLDS, they're going to lose. And... Even going into the series, I remember feeling as though they always have every bit of a chance to win this series. They can steal game in Atlanta, which they did. Mm-hmm. Come back to Philly, the crowd will go go buck wild, and uh, we play better at home. That's clearly what happened. But yeah, to your point, it's just it's kind of crazy that people look at the Phillies as this underdog. Certainly, certainly this year, but even last year, kind of. I mean, we mm-hmm. had the if not the highest payroll in, in the National League last year, certainly one of them. It's just we underachieved for much of the year, and we still came back and won this year. A little different story, but at the end of the day, the Phillies matched up well. I was surprised to see that we gave up eight runs the entire series. I thought the Phillies matched up well because both offenses could slug with one another, mm-hmm. but clearly the Phillies slugged and the pitching was just immaculate, and the Braves, of course, didn't live up to their standard. And Thompson pushed all the right buttons yeah. at all the right moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and you really noticed that in the two games in Philly that he, especially because he, I mean, he they had the two kind of Ranger bullpen games. And both times he was there pulling guys a batter too early rather than a batter too late. Yeah. Whereas when Snicker had to do his bullpen game, he was just leaving guys out there to die. He left Elder out there to face Harper a second time. He went to their worst reliever after that. Like it was just a, a very puzzling display in a five-game series to just basically give up on one game that early. Yeah, I think I said that in last week's pod. Um, I believe the series was 2-1 at 
at the time. And yeah, I'd said, yeah, Topper completely outclassed Snicker in those first three games. And then game four, I don't know if it really mattered too much. I guess it did. But the first three games, especially Topper was just on one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, overall, like the, uh, I mean, the Phillies have been hitting all these home runs and stuff, but I feel like it's it's almost like overshadowed how good the pitching has been. Mm-hmm. I think, like, I was looking today at someone, someone posted sort of like a rundown on the Phillies pitch, uh, pitchers like ERA for the playoffs, and like one of the worst on the list is like Zach Wheeler with like a two point eight or some <laughs> shit. It's oh, just wow. like, I mean, if you look at the bullpen, it's just goose eggs all the way down, except for like. Gregory Soto, I think, had that one like kind of rough inning, and um, I guess I think I was in the Atlanta series. Yeah. He gave a few runs, so it was it was at like five or whatever. But yeah, I mean, it's just been they've been great. I mean, Aaron Nola has uh, barely given up anything through uh, you know what like three games he's pitched now. Um, yeah, the pitching's been amazing, and they're uh, hitting a lot of dingers. I think I saw that they're. Uh, run differential in the playoffs is like plus 33 right now. Yeah, over eight games. That's over yeah. four so, runs per game. They're so out scoring their opponent. That's nuts. They currently have the best run differential in postseason history. Uh, Jesus. At least at least in the in the in the era since they actually was a postseason beyond just the World Series. Yeah. Um, what's interesting is that uh, the Rangers currently rank fourth in that. Uh, oh, wow. So it does seem like kind of these two teams are, are just hot at the right time on a collision course towards each other. Uh, although I, I think that that may be changing because we, we were talking beforehand that I guess the Astros have taken the lead in game three. So it could be that they're cooling off, but uh, at least going into today, Philly's best, best run differential in history, Rangers not far off in fourth. So, I mean, that would be a great series if that's where this, where this ends up heading. Yeah, yeah, it kind of has that feel of the unstoppable force meets the immovable object. Um, it would also be a, a return to the first series of the season, which the Phillies got swept. So if that were to be the case, obviously both teams got to get there first, but hopefully the Phillies are able to exact some revenge. But uh, on the NOLA point, uh, that Aaron NOLA apologist that was at the Oscars that day, yeah, shout and me to and him. Pat were giving him <laughs> shit. Hey, man, if you're listening, if you're watching, you were right. We were wrong. Forgive us. But yeah, Noel's been dealing, man. Um, I don't know if I made this comparison on the pod. I certainly made this comparison off the pod. He kind of reminded me of 09 Hamels for a lot of this season. Yeah. Where just was unlucky, was unfortunate, but also just was not helping himself. And I kind of feared that when the postseason hit, he'd do the 09 Hamels thing. And by the end of the playoffs, would just be crying that he wished the playoffs were over, that the season was over. He's done quite literally the opposite, and I think, I dare say, he's probably earned himself a contract with us. Yeah, I, would be I mean, it surprised. seems like the, I mean the big difference in the this the starts that he's had in the playoffs is there he has had a, those innings where a couple things go wrong. There's an error. I mean, this game last night's game literally started with an error, like you know, pretty much gifting the guy, uh, uh, you know, gifting them a base runner. And in times during the regular season where he would have just unraveled and like missed a pitch, given up a home run or something, he's been able to just stay focused and get out of it, which I think has been the biggest difference. I mean, all season he would kind of like start games well, and then we get into that like fifth inning or so, and then just everything just comes apart. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, during the playoffs, he's been able to keep it together, which has been great. It, it's probably helped him too that his starts have come at home. 
Um, yeah. Like someone like Wheeler can pitch anywhere and, and dominate, but I think Nola having, having those kind of crazy fans behind him and having the energy of, at, at the bank, seem, it seems like he's feeding off that a little bit. Yeah, he's always, I think, I was going to try to pull up his career splits from home and road. I didn't have time for that, but he's always kind of been a much better pitcher at home, I think, going back to his first couple of seasons. So, yeah, to have the the home fans behind him to be pitching in familiar confines makes a huge difference. Um, I guess speaking of the home fans, in CBP history, the Phillies are 28-11 and 11 in the playoffs all time, which is... Almost a 750 win percentage. I didn't do the exact math here, but I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. To think that that's how big of a difference the fans make. And I mean, certainly it makes sense when you look at, you compare our fans to, to, to the Atlanta fans, or we'll see, see tomorrow if there are any Diamondbacks <laughs> yeah, fans I mean, in gonna, the stands, dude, what, what that's like. I, I, I saw, um, last night there was a, uh, this video going around of, I guess it was a, uh, um, you know, local news reporter from Arizona who was at CVP and he they were I he was like this. they were reporting with like the um you know the people that were back in the studio and they're like, Have you found any Diamondbacks fans? And he was like, I've been looking for a Diamondbacks fans this whole time and I have not found one. <laughs> He's like, I just cannot find him. Like, there's no Diamondbacks fans and they're paying three hundred dollars for a ticket. Like and then now you could literally fly there go to like a couple both games that's wild for yeah. like less money yeah if, you know if i uh if i had some uh had planned earlier maybe i would have done that i mean shit like they're less than ten dollars yeah. yeah that's <laughs> insane they they started at 29 dollars yesterday and now they're down to like 10 it's like man i get i get it. you guys are down oh two but i mean come on like i mean also like this is their first postseason run in like years like yeah you, know, you might as well go to the games I know it's it's nuts. Yeah, I'm very curious to see what the attendance is like. Obviously, a lot of Phillies fans will fly out there. There's probably a lot of Phillies fans in and around the like Vegas, oh, yeah. Arizona, oh, yeah. like just any, I mean, Southern yeah. California area. Anywhere, anywhere in the go. West Coast, I'm sure they're willing to travel to to get there. Yeah, but I wouldn't at all be surprised if this kind of sounds like a Phillies home game tomorrow. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna be like uh, you know Eagles, uh, Eagles, Rams in uh, in the SoFi Stadium, <laughs> basically. But yeah, um, what else do I have here? Oh yeah, we were talking about Dingers, dude. They've hit fifteen home runs in a four game span. It's crazy, insane. It's it sucks that so many of them are solo home runs. That's the only thing. So a lot of these games, I guess game one's a good example. We won five three. What do we hit three solo Dingers? Yeah. Yeah. And then Schwarber. I mean, obviously, most of Schwarber's home runs are going to be solo dingers, especially when he's leading off the game. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, I, mean, I oh, sorry, you go ahead. I, 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 I have just, a fun Schwarber stat coming. Uh, I was just going to say, regardless of uh, whether they're solo homers or they're guys on base, this team's crushing. Castellanos, I called that during the World Series last year. I said he was going to have a bounce back year. He has, and he's carried it into the playoffs. He's getting kisses from Johan Rojas in the outfield. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's just, it's it's a really fun team to watch. But uh, Jonah, you can go ahead. Yeah, the Schwarber stat. So Schwarber uh, is the second person ever to hit 10 leadoff home runs in uh, the postseason. He has 10 singles. 10 singles and 10 home runs out of the leadoff spot. That's just a <laughs> remarkable statistic to yeah, me. Yeah, that's like one of my favorite things about this team is the just – 
having Schwarber batting leadoff is just like the funniest thing that like works in a weird way. It like not it just does not make conventional sense at all. Like all year, like all you hear people saying is like, "Man, why don't they just have him batting cleanup?" So when he hits home run, there's a guy, there's people on base. So it's like, <laughs> no, nah, fuck that. We want to start the game off one out. One out. <laughs> like, it's just establish the vibes right away. Well, and he, you know, he has the sub two hundred batting average, which uh, oh, yeah, was also unique, incredible. Was unique for a uh, uh, leadoff hitter, but his on base is like three. Yeah, he still walks a lot. Right. So that's totally fine, you know. Yeah, yeah. He just walks and hits dingers. Like I'll, I'll take that all day. Yeah, and I mean, there was plenty of times. Certainly, there were plenty of times during a regular season where the bottom of the order, you had Wet Brandon getting on, you had Rojas or Pache getting on. Then Schwarber hits a dinger, it's a two-run shot, it's a three-run shot. So it's kind of like a second cleanup hitter in a way. So I don't see a problem with it. It is very unconventional, but hey, man, that's baseball in yeah. 2023. If it ain't broke, don't fix Embr- it. Embrace the weirdness. Yeah. But don't, don't they say that batting order doesn't really matter? <laughs> like, isn't that a thing? I, it, 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 it makes like a difference of like one win over the course of a full 162 yeah, season. Basically. There you go. And like, really the only thing that matters is getting your best hitters more plate appearances, which is why putting Schwarber that early, like works, right? Yeah. yeah. Like you're saying, like most of the time when he hits, it's not the only time he's guaranteed to be, be the first guy hitting in an inning is the first inning. And then after that yeah. it's Rojas or it's wet Brandon or, or, you know, someone like that uh, mm-hmm. kind of setting the table for him. Yeah, so uh, we'll take it. He's our big, burly leadoff hitter, man, our big, beefy lad. Runs the bases, like Pat always says, like Babe Ruth. <laughs> Him going first to third. Oh, yeah, that was pretty comical. Um, yeah, hold up. What about Jake Cave just falling into third on that? Uh, dude, I, I actually I actually missed that. I like went to the bat because it was like – Oh, man. Cause I, I, like, I was like, this is a good inning for me to like just go to the bathroom or something because uh, I don't really care about us batting this inning. And I totally missed – I like came back downstairs and there was like – my phone's blowing up about like LOL Jake Cave. I was like, what the fuck happened? Because <laughs> I saw like he's not on base. I was like, I guess he got out, but I don't – yeah, he, yeah, I totally missed that. He tried to stretch a double into a triple. Some people say he was safe. I don't think he was. And even if he was safe, he did himself no favors by sliding too early and just falling into the base. But yeah, yeah it's weird. Like umpires give you less leeway, leeway if you look ridiculous. Like they like kind of stop calling it down the middle, and they're like, "This guy is a fool." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you have a feeling that's what happened yeah. <laughs> there. But yeah, I mean, if Jake Cave's getting doubles off of you, should be triples off of you. Garrett Stubbs is catching in a game. Mm-hmm. You you just don't belong in the NLCS, and I don't think the Diamondbacks do. Yeah, they look overmatched. I mean, it was. I mean, like people have been saying, their their World Series was the series against the, the Dodgers, which like that fucking team. Good lord. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was I was saying earlier that the uh, that that uh, that COVID championship is looking more and more fraudulent every year. <laughs> like they just do not. Uh, I don't know. They, uh, I'm not sure if you guys watched that series that closely. They got six outs combined from their game one and two starting pitchers. Yeah, Hershaw got destroyed. Who was their game two starter? I don't even remember that dude's name. He was like someone who they pulled off of the like triple A list. Oh, wow. He basically, who went further than Kershaw. He got like four outs before (laughs) he made it through an inning. Yeah, having to get yanked. Yeah. Yeah, and then they had Lance Lynn. I liked Lance Lynn a few years ago when he was a good pitcher and like his antics and just cursing and just screaming and spitting and grabbing his balls was just funny because he was really good. 
he's washed now. And like he was their number three starter and he just didn't he doesn't belong in the playoffs anymore. But yeah, the Dodgers, they're a mess, man. Uh, do they have to blow it up? They're gonna have to blow it up at some point, I would think, right? I don't know. I, I they have enough money that I don't think that's they ever true. have yeah. to blow it up. Yeah, that's yeah, a good point. Can, you'll yeah. you'll be seeing Otani there next year. You'll be seeing whoever the best starting pitcher is on the market there next year. Like, yeah. Nola. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> no. no, we can't lose Nola to the to the Los Angeles Dodgers. He's not any I, I have, in 2021, I said the same thing about Freddie Freeman. <laughs> oh, yeah, and look how that, although that worked out for you guys, though. I would uh, not, I mean, you guys have seen firsthand that it did not work out. Yeah, uh, yeah, Matt, well yeah. The, Matt Olsen's kind yeah. of a choke artist yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah, they really get, kept him in check. He was just hitting, like, these weak little dribblers and stuff all series. He had, like, four hits, and they were all singles. And it's yeah. like, great, nice work. Although Freddie wasn't good either, so, yeah. Yeah. Freddie Freeman and I share a birthday, same day. Same year, we're the same age. Damn, uh, I remember wow. when I discovered that. Yeah, so that that's cool. I like to think that, even though I'm not as good at baseball as he is, I'm cooler <laughs> and, and better looking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what really counts. That's what matters. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, I guess moving on. Predictions for the series. I think the Phillies sweep. I hope they sweep because I want to party with everyone in, on Broad Street. And if they end up winning the series on Saturday, let's say, I'll be at a wedding in Baltimore and will not be able to party. So my prediction is the Phillies win tomorrow. I don't have a score prediction. Paft, whoever his name is, yeah. is pitching. They'll probably score like six to eight runs. Then game four, the roof is going to be open in Arizona. It's supposed to be like 90 degrees or 100 degrees. Oh, yeah. The ball's well, going to be they, carrying. Uh, don't they going to close it? Was that nah, hard? I saw a tweet earlier from Matt Gelb. Or he might have retweeted someone or re-exed someone, whatever the hell it is these days. Um, and someone from Arizona said, like, yeah, roof is going to be closed for the game three. Roof is going to be open for game four. It's a 5.07 local time start time. So I think they figure yeah. sun will be down an hour or so after the game starts so we can get away with this. It's going to be like 100 degrees. The ball's going to be flying. I think game four, we just destroy them, man, in their bullpen. Then we'll yeah. advance to the World yeah. Series. Yeah, that's kind of how I'm feeling too. I mean, I, I think like unless the Phillies just have one of those games where they just like cannot uh, buy a hit and are just hitting into weird outs and all that kind of stuff, I just don't see it. Like this, like I just this Diamondbacks team just looks like they know they're overmatched. They probably know that there's no way of winning this series. <laughs> Um, the, the drop off in the, the starting pitching for the Diamondbacks at this point is dramatic. Like they had to win one of those first two games. They didn't do it. Um, and yeah, I mean, we saw like their bullpen is not very good. I don't think whoever they have starting is going to be able to last very long. So I just, yeah, I just don't see it. Um, I mean, obviously it's baseball, like anything could happen, but, um, you know, unless things take a, a weird turn, I don't see the Phillies losing this team. I think they've closed it out Friday. Yeah, I agree with you guys. Um, I, I guess the one thing that I could see is like, because you have these three days in a row where there are like three games in a row, if they go down early, maybe Thompson thinks, you know, I'll keep the bullpen fresh, you know, the important pitchers fresh for yeah. another day and, and kind of like throws in, throws in the towel if they go down early. But it's also hard to see them going down early. And frankly, like, you know, 
the the Rangers and Astros are not as good as the Phillies, but they are real teams. So I kind of want to see the Phillies take care of business early. And then just selfishly, the last thing uh, is that it will be very fun if they clinch in Arizona because they all get to jump in the pool. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's going to be some incredible photographs, some incredible memes. That is going to be just a great sight to see. So I definitely want to see them close it out in Arizona. Uh, yeah, hopefully hopefully in four for, for your sake. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and I think... Them in the pool. You imagine wet Brandon getting just even wetter. Even wetter, coming, yeah. <laughs> coming out of the pool. Wet, wetter Brandon. <laughs> yeah. uh, who do you think is going to do a cannonball? Someone's got it. Someone's got it, right? Is that pool deep enough to do that? I feel I like it's like not I, a deep pool. I feel like I saw the Diamondbacks doing some doing some dives, but I could okay, be I could yeah, be maybe. wrong. They may have just been. Like goofing. That would be the pictures. that'd be the worst if like someone one of, <laughs> one of the players goes to, like Bryce Harper jumps in feet first and just crushes his ankles and just oh didn't no the, don't didn't, say that didn't the Phillies have like a pitcher get injured last year celebrating oh yeah Robertson years? he was celebrating yeah, Robertson, yeah. Harper's home run yeah. in uh, I think the the wild card series and then oh, he yeah. couldn't pitch the NLDS yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I I like to think that uh. The Phillies will have a little bit more discipline in their celebrations. They may jump in the pool, but they'll probably also pour out a bunch of beer and liquor in the clubhouse and turn that into a pool and just frolic in it. Yeah. Oh, is that just about it for the Phillies? We got anything else? Yeah, that's all I got written down here. What do we want to move on to? Should we uh, do a little Sixers and then end with the Birds? Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, I guess honorable mention to the Flyers, they won. Uh, yeah, they looked good. Yeah, last actually, night. Did look what, what I watched. Good. Yeah, They're, they put up like uh, a ton of shots. Yeah, that second period they looked awesome. The first period's when they took the lead, like they went up two nothing, and they really didn't have any business. Yeah, being up two nothing after the first period. The second period they were playing great, dude. Yeah, I think it was like like they had like thirty shots or something. In the second period, yeah, they only let up two. Yeah, it's pretty dumb. I mean, I don't think the. I mean, I don't think Vancouver's very good right now, but I mean, you know, they got some. They got some guys. Should be at least uh, at least like I'm. Ex- I, I am actually going to watch the Flyers this year, which is <laughs> different stories from last year. Um, I still kind of like them to lose more games and not because I want it's one another high draft pick. But um, you know, they'll be a fun team to watch. Couturier, that that shootout oh, that, goal by Couturier, yeah, was that was sick. Sick, yeah, sick move. Cool seeing him back. Nice seeing the uh, the uh, the uniforms. Even though I feel like most people don't like the. Uh, the style, but at least they got that dark orange color back. Nice to see. Um, yeah. So tickets should positive. be cheap to some Flyers games. Yeah, man. going to go to a bunch of games this year. I yeah, think. Yeah. I saw someone uh, wearing a Flyers jersey while I was walking Berman today. So yeah, nice. Flyers pride back out there. there. What is it? A new shade of orange? Yeah. Hey, man. People are down with the new shade of orange. They just don't know it yet. Once uh, Red October ends and people realize just. How depressing and how just orange November is coming. There yeah. we go. Yeah, hey, that works. <laughs> but yeah, once people realize just how depressing and just distressing the Sixers are, they're gonna hop on the Flyers <laughs> bandwagon, man. Here we go. Yeah, but the Sixers. I need to like stretch before we do this. <laughs> yeah, like, uh... <laughs> uh, it's been it's been a long summer uh, without without a pod to vent to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can vent a little bit. Yeah, yeah here because we've been venting about it to the point that we're kind of tired of it. Um. Yeah, I don't even know where to start. Uh, James Harden, man, what? Uh, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's a good place to start. 
I'm so baffled by the last, like as baffled as I've been by him all summer. What is he doing these last two weeks? This is insane. He shows up to camp like George Costanza acting like nothing happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and then just suddenly no shows. Now he's in, apparently today he's in Houston, yeah. probably at a, at a strip club. I would assume. I mean, let's, let's be real. And meanwhile, like the Clippers are like, literally offering a crumble cookie for him and he's getting pissed that like daryl won't take it like i i I don't know like this is just like the most insanely frustrating thing and on top of all of that while this is going on the bucks and celtics have become like the two best teams in the league like Mm -hmm. far and away like i i i I, like i don't even know like what are what are you supposed to do as like a fan or as like a member of the team you know like it's it's insane you know yeah, I, I kind of feel like everyone's being held hostage. I think what I have written down here, the fans certainly we're being held hostage by this. James Harden's being held; he's holding himself hostage, but he's being held hostage. The players, the the front office is holding them. Everyone's holding. Everyone's held hostage in this case, and no one really wins, and it's just endlessly frustrating. Um, I don't know. I don't even know what to say about he this. Shit. I'm in. so over he it. He opted into this contract. Like I don't understand. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. it's a, a insane series of miscalculations on his part, and like whoever the fuck his agent is, like they just played, just played this bad, and, <laughs> and then worse and worse. I mean, like, I mean, I don't know. We've talked about this before, but it still just blows my mind how he was fully expecting, for some insane reason, for Daryl Morey to just take whatever he was offered for him when. You literally saw this exact scenario play out with Ben Simmons, and he like did not do that at all. He let he had no problem letting it linger for halfway through the season until he got a deal that he wanted. So it's like, why would you think that he wasn't going to do that again? It's just none of none of it makes sense from his point of view. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's insane. I don't know. Well, He's got he, brain worms. He personally killed his. He killed the trade leverage that the Sixers would have had by being like. I will only go to this one team. Exactly. Yeah. And you all know that I will put on the fat suit and I will not try if I go to any other team. And so it's like, there's now there's no market for you, buddy. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And, and he's, at least in Dame's case, Dame kind of just realized, yeah, Miami isn't going to happen. I'll open up my, my preferences and I'll go to Milwaukee. Yeah. You would think Harden would see that and consider, okay, it worked for Dame. He got out of a shitty situation that he want to be in. Maybe I should expand and see see what else is out there, but nope. Still being a stubborn asshole, just <laughs> out in Houston somewhere. Yo, do you think he's at a club right now getting someone to hold a Daryl Morey as a liar sign again? <laughs> I feel like he's, he has to escalate. Like he, it can't just be. Oh, a sign. is it going to be a billboard? It can't just be a sign. Yeah. It has to be a billboard. It has to be like. 50 people with their shirts off, like with the words painted yeah. on, on their chest. He's going to get hire uh, one of those planes, do like the air writing thing. <laughs> Daryl Morey is a liar, just up in the skies. He has like a Daryl Morey pinata that everyone's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. everyone's like hitting. Yeah, Harden's at uh, someone's birthday party right now with a cake. The, the <laughs> icing on the cake says Daryl Morey is a liar. <laughs> yeah. He's got Daryl Morey voodoo dolls. Um. Uh, yeah, I don't know. And also, can I just say, fuck the Clippers? Like, fuck the Clippers. Oh, like, for sure. If you want James Harden, make a real offer for him. We we were yeah. just talking before recording that I guess the news story that came out is that 
the Sixers offered a trade of one first round. They, the Clippers would send one first round pick, one pick swap, and Terrence Mann. Drew Holiday, who is not as good a player as James Harden, went for two straight up first round picks and two rotation players. This is a lesser deal than that. And the Clippers are still saying no. They don't want Harden then at this point is really yeah. like the only conclusion to, to draw. Or they're just extremely overvaluing Terrence Mann, which maybe it's a combination of both. Um, Terrence Mann is a fine player who's young-ish. He has some upside yet, but he's 27. He's got career averages of 8 points per game, 3.7 rebounds per game, 2 assists per game, 50% field goal percentage, which that's good, 38% from 3. You would think theoretically with more minutes, more opportunity that plays up a little bit, but I don't see how at 27 years old they can overvalue. They can have so much value, see so much value in him that he's not worth trading for James Harden, who like not for nothing is one of the 75th greatest players of all time and still averaged 22 and 11 last year and put up two 40 point games against a really good team in the playoffs. I don't know what the hell they're doing. Terrence Mann's like best outcome is to be like the fifth guy in a starting five that wins the championship like he could he could be like the fifth guy on the nuggets but like that's it you yeah. know like there are plenty of guys who could do that yeah i don't there's so much wrong with this just who is the clippers gm i was trying to think of that it's uh lawrence frank oh right yeah i just read that article he uh we got to go to to L.A. and do something to Lawrence Frank, man. <laughs> we got to knock some sense into him. This just isn't Lawrence. Let's make a deal, man. Let's get the let's get the citywide special credentialed in in, in yeah. The we'll Clippers, go to L.A. The Clippers press corps. I would yeah. love to go to L.A. Yeah. for a little bit. We'll do yeah. We'll 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 just like put out five episodes pretending to be a Clippers podcast. <laughs> See if we can get press credentials there. They'll all just be about how great Robert Covington is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like we love this guy, <laughs> impeccable move to pick up this uh, this wily veteran. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, one of us is from from Northeast Philly. We can say Pat's the Northeast Philly guy. He really respects Marcus Morris. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love him. Your Philly zone that's currently on your roster. So yeah, let us get some credentials. Let us come talk to our boys Rocco, Marcus Morris, and yeah, we'll talk to Lawrence a little bit too, and we will. Uh, convince him that he needs to make a trade to make him an offer he can't refuse <laughs> exactly does, does, does he own a horse <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean beyond the hardened drama i mean i'm kind of excited about this team i am concerned that Embiid has not played a preseason game how do y'all feel about that yeah i don't really know what to make of it like i mean it seems like most other teams are at least giving their star players a little bit of time in the preseason. I mean, it's not, it's not like it's, it's not like preseason football where it's just like, you don't want to risk it. I mean, you're talking about a, you know, you're playing 80 games or whatever. Like, uh, I don't know. You, you I would really like to see what he looks like in this, uh, in, you know, Nick nurse system and all that kind of stuff. I don't really know what the logic is behind it. Yeah. I, I it does seem weird. Cause like, in theory, there's, there's going to be a new offense, and you'd like to see them, you know, practice it a little bit. But I'm really not worried. I'm not worried about it from the perspective of like, is it Embiid going to be fine for the regular season? Like, I, I, 
no one's saying anything that sounds concerning. It seems like he's doing full practices and stuff. So I didn't really get the reasoning behind it, but I'm not, it doesn't, it doesn't like concern me necessarily. See, my concern with it is he didn't really, I don't think he played much last preseason either. He might've played a little bit. And I think he was practicing last year, like leading up to the regular season. And the regular season starts and come to find out he has plantar fasciitis. Yeah, that's a good point. And it took him two to three weeks to kind of work himself back off of that and to work himself into playing shape. And the Sixers started 0-3. No one was really paying attention because the yeah. Phillies were in the World Series. Yeah. Shout <laughs> out Mir Long, by the way, for bringing that up in the chat today. But, um, yeah, I'm concerned that he's going to take a couple weeks to work himself back into playing shape. I mean, we're not going to be the first or second seed in the East, most likely. But the difference between being a three seed and a five seed could be two or three games, which might be two or three games we lose to start the season. It's funny to think if people have been paying attention to that start, because they started 0-3 and and they were were still quite bad after that. Like, maybe Doc gets fired, like, early. Like, maybe maybe this whole whole thing goes differently last year. That's true, yeah. Uh, very very weird what if to consider, you know. Yeah, maybe Doc gets fired. Harden isn't all pissed. He uh maybe he stays and he's he's here right now, but maybe he's not disgruntled and isn't requesting a trade. I, that is crazy to think about. Did you guys talk about the story where Harden the ES- ESPN reporter reported that Harden missed the All-Star game and then they offered him a spot as yeah. a reserve. Yeah, yeah, I, I brought yeah. that and up. He was yeah. so busy pouting that like they gave the spot to someone else before he and then he called them and was like, I've decided to accept the reserve spot. And they're like, We gave it away, you idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Snooze you lose. Yeah. It, just incredible, incredible stuff. And and the fact that like Daryl thought that like he could just ghost this guy and it would be fine and he'd he'd accept this is like how, how Yeah, Daryl's not blameless how, in any how, of this. Have you, have you not seen him? What he's done for the last ten years? Yeah, Daryl, Daryl's known him forever. You would think Daryl would know him well enough to say, like, yeah, if I make any missteps, if I don't communicate to him, if I ghost him, if I just shortchange him, he, he's gone. Or he's going to request to be gone. But for whatever reason, Daryl, I don't know, just misread the situation. I feel a lot of people would say this about Hinky, that uh, Hinky would kind of just look at players as just assets or essentially numbers. Yeah, like cogs in the machine. Yeah, exactly. And I always felt like that was one of the things that Daryl was a little different from Hinky and that he kind of recognized there is a human element to the business of basketball. But this kind of just shows goes to show that maybe I, I miscalculated my, my evaluation of Daryl. Because, yeah, he's clearly just playing the numbers game with Harden, which I kind of get. But at the same time, Daryl, you should know this guy well enough to know that yeah. you can't get away with it. I here. mean, it might not even be like a philosophical thing where like he just actively like sees them as assets or whatever. It might just be that he's like a huge dork and just doesn't have. I like, suspect that's what it is. Just doesn't have like the basic like social skills to like pick up on these sort of things and just doesn't like is just kind of oblivious to it or whatever. Like, uh, yeah. He, uh, one time when he was the Houston general manager, the story was in the ringer. Daryl, uh, left his car parked illegally and got so many tickets that the car got booted. And rather than paying the tickets, he called a dealership and told them that he would trade in the car 
for a new car if they came and like paid off the tickets and removed the boot and like took the car like he like he was like it's not worth my time to like deal with this yeah so i will what? simply trade in this booted car at a lower value just it's to, like, like this, yeah that's not yeah. a guy that understands how to navigate like like social confrontation well wow, i never or any knew that kind story. of like yeah <laughs> social conflict or anything yeah i i do want to say a, a path of least least resistance type of guy <laughs> for sure it's so it must be so weird from his perspective too because he has like portraits of james harden hanging in his house <laughs> yeah. and now james harden is yeah. like going to china and calling him a liar yeah. uh and like holding up these signs that are like personally insulting it's just a, just a wild fucking scene like i just can't can't believe this is happening yeah i mean the the history of the sixers for really about the last 11 or 12 years man there are some books that that kind of cover it like there's uh the guy your own weitzman yeah, yeah. He wrote Tank to the Tanking Top, to the top which is yeah. a very good book, but that stopped at like 2019. There's been four more years it's of bullshit. It's gotten even crazier that, like, since then. <laughs> he's going to have yeah. to write like a volume two. Yeah, it's like how it's like how every few years, like Ken Burns had to do a new chapter of the baseball documentary. <laughs> it's like you're going to have to like just keep adding on to the, the Sixers saga. I feel like if that arrow is taking to the top, this is like succeeding to the bottom. Like it's like <laughs> we're finally winning fifty games, but somehow everyone feels worse about worse. this yes. team. Yeah, yeah, dude, I, totally. I will say I feel like Gene Springer looks good. Uh, you know, to like some positives from mm-hmm. preseason. Gene Springer looks like he he can contribute. Uh, obviously it's preseason. You don't want to get too high on it. I I'm more bullish on Kelly Oubre than I think everybody else in the world is because. I I I I grew up in Atlanta and then we moved to Charlotte, so I watch a lot of Hornets basketball still. That team was hopeless. Like he yeah. he had no choice but to chuck on that team, and he has he has the skill he has kind of the the physicality, the body, the skill set to be like a a good kind of wing in in a supporting role. And it seems like I mean it seems like that may be happening this year. You know he didn't work with the Warriors, but that's like a very weird. You know, it's a weird system. Idiosyncratic yeah. team. Right. So. I think there's like, I think like that's what bothers me is that like there would be a lot of reasons to look forward to the Sixers season. Maxi looks good. Maxi's going to be taking another step forward. And it's just like instead, just every day, it's just like James Harden, James Harden, James Harden, James Harden. And it's just like this drama, this cloud that's like circling this otherwise like not going to win a championship, but like one of the more fun and likable teams we've had in a while, I think. Yeah. I think. Obviously, Milwaukee and and Boston are the favorites. However, you want to slice it, Boston's one, Milwaukee's one. One of one of those two is going to be the number one. The other is going to be the number two. But I mean, you can make a case that if Porzingis gets injured, which happens every season, right? Porzingis gets injured, Giannis gets injured, Chris Middleton's old, Brooke Lopez is he's good, but he's old. Like you could make a case that if things were to go bad for one of these teams. And the Sixers had anything going for them that they could end up a one or two seed in the East. I'm not saying that that's going to happen by any means, but they're 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 in a position that these other teams are a little fragile, and the Sixers have a little bit more. Sh- I don't, they don't have a little more stability. If Harden was not being Harden, they'd have a little bit more stability, some continuity here, and you'd feel a little better about their chances, but. Instead, we're left with whatever, with whatever this shit show is. But to your point, Jonah, some of the young players do look good. 
Springer actually looks like an NBA player from what I've heard. Kelly Oubre, I kind of shit on him when we signed him, but I feel like Nick Nurse is a good coach to kind of unlock him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maxie looks good. B-Ball Paul, we love a B-Ball Paul. Um, who else am I thinking of? Oh, Danny Green. Danny Green apparently looks pretty good. The highlights I've seen, uh, he's yeah. turned back the clock a little bit. Um, you know what you're going to get from Tobias. We'll get to Pat Bev. This is a, this team could <laughs> yeah. be super fun. Nick Nurse has them playing like a really up tempo style, at least without them beating Harden. Has them competing a lot more on defense. Yeah, I've been loving all the quotes from the players, just like throwing Dude, shade at yes. Doc Rivers. It's yes. like, <laughs> yeah, it's like we're actually like passing the ball around and like moving and doing all this stuff. You know? Yeah, they're like, I didn't realize you were allowed to like play good. I thought you were yeah. supposed to play bad. That was what Doc always told us to do. Yeah. Yeah, I like how B-Ball Paul at one point said, yeah, if uh, if Doc was the coach and I took a bunch of threes, I probably wouldn't play for like 10 games or two weeks. I forget what the exact quote was. <laughs> but now he says, yeah, Nick Nurse is just encouraging him to let it fly. And the jury's out on if he like can actually convert those attempts into points and he can make a jumper at a respectable percentage. But I like the fact that the players – are much more in line with the coach and are a little more excited about playing for a coach because Doc, I mean, we saw it. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. Just the most demotivating coach ever. Well, and that's the thing is that you don't know unless you try it. And that's what Doc would never let them try it. Mm-hmm. And it's like maybe maybe this doesn't work, but it's infuriating to not even know because then you end up in situations like they did in every playoff series where it was like, we don't have any answers because we haven't tried anything. And, and you know, we're the one thing we do doesn't work here. So, yeah, uh, I, I feel good. I know last time I was here, I was not I was I was I was a I was a nurse skeptic. Uh, you know, it's it's preseason, so it's too early to say, but it does seem like he's having a good impact on the team. So if, he, if he's if he's no longer the Brendan Fraser, then who, <laughs> who would you compare him to now? That's a great that's a great question. Um. I don't think he's quite Colin Farrell yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe not. Maybe like, maybe like Jason Schwartzman in Asteroid City. You know, like okay. good enough to like carry the good enough to star in the movie. But he, you know, got a good director, got a good kind of vision behind him. I'm not buying a ticket to see him, but he's like, you know, he's he's like holding it down. You yeah, know? it's fair. We'll see what we'll see how he does in the regular season, but I mean, so far so good. I'm excited. I would be much more excited if we just could get all this bullshit behind us. But lo and behold, this is the city of Philadelphia. But yeah, I guess speaking of Pat Bev, real quick, yeah, yeah let's the- let's yeah. let's get this uh, get this clip. Yeah, this is one of the things I'm most excited about. Nothing gets me more fired up than seeing my buddy get kicked out of a preseason game <laughs> well, can you explain to me exactly what happened between you and ben simmons let's get right into it first off ben simmons is a hell of a talent it's good seeing him back out there he, he looked strong he impacted the game yesterday so when it comes to basketball i don't have a problem with this but when it comes to like he was chirping at one of our rookies petrosev like come on Philip with an F. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you be chirping at that guy. You know, you foul him hard as fuck. I'm talking to you all game. You ain't saying nothing. Tobias cooking your ass. You really ain't saying nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got eight turnovers. <laughs> Punching down, kind of. Yeah, like our, our rookie. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, no, nah, we don't get no. 
Don't talk to me. I've been talking to you all game anyway. Talk to me. You were talking to him the entire game yeah. at the free throw line. You were you he were come through the line and hit him like you know the swag be too high. What you know do you mean your swag too high? Is that a thing? Yeah, sometimes guys be swag too high. You know what I'm saying for like not done a lot. But yeah, I just, that's what I don't like. He's the man, dude. It's incredible that he has the like Bev podcast. He has like this rigid code, and it's like, look, he broke rule six, article B of the code. You know what? <laughs> can, what can I say? Yeah. You know, I had no choice but to but to yeah, get to kicked out of the game. Preseason, regular season, doesn't matter. Code's the code. And, and I mean, I love how it was Ben Simmons, too. Yeah. Just just perfect. The cherry on top, man. I've been saying for, for years, long before this podcast existed, that Pat Bev was like the, the, the ultimate Philly guy as far as like uh, yeah. Yeah. just athletes, cer- certainly NBA players, but I feel like athletes in general, the ultimate Philly guy, and he would be the perfect fit here. I mean, he could be ass this year. I've said this on the pod. He could be really bad this year. I wouldn't even care, man. <laughs> yeah. You listen to that and you just hear a guy that just ready to ready to fight, stand up for his rookies. He's ready to give Ben Simmons some shit. That, that's a man after my own heart, dude. Pat Bev, we love you, man. Yeah, it's just that's the energy that I wish someone on this team had brought, like, Last year, two years ago, three years ago, like just when you think about all the like gutless, like you know, losses they've taken over the years, like they they just needed someone who you know was gonna fuck with Ben Simmons, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're talking guys like George Hill. Mm-hmm. Like George Hill was our vet we brought in a few years That's right, ago. Yeah, wow. he sucked. I'm like, couldn't even stay on the court. Al Horford, get out of here, man. Oh my we, god, we've had like these Ugh. spineless like. These vets that aren't gritty. So soft. Yeah, just don't have it, aren't ready to stand up for their rookies, and now we're blessed with Pat Bev, a man of the people. He said he wanted to live in the city, said he wanted to smell the city. <laughs> I'm sure he's probably smelled a pissy alley or two and maybe regrets that statement. <laughs> but uh, at the end of the day, he's the blue collar dude. Probably uh, taking some 99 banana shots, you know, with, Yo, uh, with some, of, some of the people. I would love it. If I ever got to do a shot at 99 Bananas with Patrick Beverly, <laughs> man, I could die a happy man. It's just a good man. I wonder how he fits into the rotation. I feel like between him, Melton, and Springer, like those are three like defense-first guards yeah. that you're kind of looking at. But Pat has got to get some rotation minutes here or there. Certainly, if and when Harden leaves, you're going to need those guard minutes to, to be taken by someone. I mean, it, it'd be so nice if they could get like a wing for Harden. And then you give the Harden minutes to the you spread around these three defensive wings because you have or these three defensive guards because you have Maxi who who's the score guy yeah having having a having a dog out there with Maxi I think perfectly balances it out and then if you could just have like someone who could like hang with like a Tatum or like a you know even like a um, DeRozan you know like someone who can hang with those guys yeah uh, at the wing it, it just balances out the team so much so much better you know. Yeah, maybe that's the, the Sixers' obsession with Terrence Mann. He is six five with decent wingspan. He could fill that role, but uh, he can't. He can't score though, you know. Yeah, like, I don't see. It. But uh, I, I guess that's probably enough Sixers. We got yeah, any other Sixers? Yeah. yeah, I guess we can move on to the Birds, who have finally lost a game against the Jets after 
all these years. Twelve, they're now twelve and one against the Jets. Yeah, my man Snack didn't even play, dude. I know Snack wasn't even there. So Snack was home making some buffalo chicken dip. Yeah. So uh, takeaways from this game. Um, regression is coming. Uh, on our very first episode, if you want to go back and listen to it, you want to hear some poor podcasting, some from some rookie podcasters. <laughs> It was right after the Eagles lost the Super Bowl. I cautioned that regression was going to hit this year. It has injuries. They're banged mm-hmm. up. The schedule. Schedule's way tougher. Turnover luck. We saw two of those three things on, on Sunday in the mm-hmm. schedule. We'll yeah. see it coming up. But, yeah, I think that the regression kind of hit pretty hard. Um, the Lane Johnson injury, I think, is... A lot of the reason we lost that game, yeah, yeah Driscoll yeah. was just getting turnstiled. All uh, it was that was ugly. Yeah, and then uh, the the one interception where Hertz gets hit, I do think Hertz owns some responsibility. Because yeah, he's, he's got to know ball that pressure's coming. I, that is kind of on Hertz, but, but, but Lane Johnson probably holds up there. Right, and he's able to get that ball. Yeah, that's off. what like the pressure is generating those those bad plays. Yeah, and you know he had one of the interceptions was just like that crazy uh, Goddard just. That was like a good play by the defense. Quinn and Williams yeah. pass rushed, was at Hurts, and then just turned around and ran back and was in position to just catch that yeah. ball. Yeah. Hurts Hurts already has more interceptions this year than he threw last year, too. To yeah. your point about turnover turnover regression. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, I think we all knew that was going to happen. And, I mean, the the one, like, uh, frustrating thing about this game is, is that, like, the start of the game, Hertz looked awesome. <laughs> like he, yeah, first, he was, first three yeah, quarters, yeah. First he looked great. great. I mean, I think it was, it was in the beginning of the game. In the first quarter, he had like a play where he's like, you know, uh, you know, getting flushed out of the pocket, and he's just like literally just like stiff arming a guy away from him, and then makes a throw to I forget who it was too, but it was like yeah, that was inc- badass, incredible play yeah. to like just have like the strength to like hold that guy off and still have enough balance, make the throw get the first down. It was amazing. And he had like a, a few other really great plays. And then like the, that fourth quarter uh, just really fell apart in a, in a bizarre way. The, um, I mean that, that last interception that kind of uh, more or less sealed the game for the jets was just, I had no idea what was going on there. His mechanics were all off. He was yeah. Just he like, threw it off his back foot yeah, he was, when he had time to step into yeah, he it, like, and then I, I, he's thrown into like double coverage. Don't know. I just don't know what was going on there. I don't he, know what he was looking at. What he was. What he thought was going to happen. And the thing about that play is he had time. Yeah, there wasn't a pass rush bearing down on him. He just drifted back and kept drifting back, and then he was just off his back foot for no reason. I don't know. There were so many different points in that game where I'm like, oh, we're going to lose this. When Jake Elliott misses a 37-yard yeah, field goal. Yeah. It was like, I mean, it reminded me a lot of that Washington game from yep. last year where it was just like everything that could possibly go wrong in this game has gone wrong. They like, you know, like we said, like they uh, had the bad turnover luck. And then on top of that, they just had bad turnovers from like not luck. Um, yeah, you get the miss kick. Uh, injuries just it was just a perfect storm of uh of shit um so let me ask you guys because i feel like watching it the offense has has looked out of sorts i think we all agree for like for weeks now yeah Mm -hmm. what 
percentage of blame do you assign to Jalen versus sort of the coaching, whether it's Brian Johnson's play calling or, or kind of Sirianni's decision making versus the injuries to people like Lane Johnson or kind of like the the regression on that front? Like where where do you see the 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 blame being kind of spread around and like what do you think is fixable versus what may be kind of like a lingering issue all year? I definitely think some of uh, Brian Johnson's play calling has been odd. Um, I mean, that like, I mean, I guess the one debate that's been going about this game is the pass the throw or the, the uh, run the throw ratio. It was very lopsided in uh, favor of passing, which like going into the game, we figured that like, kind of makes sense. You have like their their starting corners yeah, are out. Snack was out, dude. Yeah, he was out. Yeah. Um, their other starting corner was out. You figured like you want to attack the outside. Um, they have you know the Jets have a pretty good front. They have good linebackers. So like I don't like blame him for going pass heavy, but like at some point it's like I don't know. It just seems like you you, you like have to get that run game going a little bit. So I have, I have a theory on that is that when the game started, they probably came in with more of an intention to run the ball, but losing lane affects a lot of your run game too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, certainly, and I mean they certainly, were getting like, I mean, some of the runs they did have, they were getting tackled behind the line because like you're missing lane. And, yeah. 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 I mean, that jets defensive front's good. The, the jets have a really good front seven. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think far as like, Brian Johnson goes, I would have liked to have seen a little more creativity in terms of personnel groupings. I think the Eagles were in 11 personnel, one wide rec- or three wide receivers, one tight end, one running back, 60 or 70, I forget. I want to say it was like 65% of the time at least, which, yeah, I mean, if you can see the running game isn't working, bring in some 12, bring in some yeah. 13 personnel and see if you can kind of force it to work, especially when you have lane out. So I think... My biggest issue with Brian Johnson, I've said this on the pod a couple times, is that the personnel groupings, he has a tendency to stick with 11 personnel too much, which is more of a college-based offense. Like, it's a, co- a college-based personnel grouping. He's a college coach. So, yeah. that's what he knows. Um, so, to answer your question, Jonah, I would place about 50% of the, the Eagles' offensive shortcomings on Brian Johnson's shoulders. That's a lot. I would say probably about 20 to 20. Nah, that's a cop out. I'll say about 30% goes to Hertz. Mm-hmm. He's bailing on pockets too much. That last interception, totally on him. The first two, I don't think we're on him as, as much. Um, some of, uh, some of his plays in the first half of the Washington game, granted, he didn't throw any interceptions, but he was bailing too early. Things like that. I think for whatever reason, he's just not as comfortable in the pocket mostly on him and then yeah i would say injuries are probably about injuries and or other players underperforming is about the other 20 percent Devonte had two awful drops in this game yeah he's been he's been brutal lately yeah he's ugh. um quez watkins in the rams game had that one screen where he just had a huge hole and for and whatever just reason just ran the, for reason, the wrong yeah. way <laughs> um what else we got lane johnson being hurt Kenny Gainwell not being as good as he was last year. It hasn't really been much of a factor. So, yeah, I would say, like, most of the blame I would place on Brian Johnson, a lot of it on Hurts. Brian Johnson's Sirianni, I should say, because Sirianni doesn't call the plays, but he develops the game plan. 
And it's it's weird. I mean, we clocked this uh, back in week week two, I think, that like Vikings game where it was like, even though Steichen, it in the moment it didn't feel like Steichen was that important to the offense, and that it was Sirianni's design, and Steichen was just kind of you know running like going off the menu that Sirianni gave him. But this offense feels totally different now with Brian Johnson. Like, and yeah. I don't know, I don't know if it hurts because he does he bails on these plays too early, and he's not looking at his second third read he's just he's just kind of running with it but it there's just a totally different vibe this year that feels like play calling and i don't know if that's what it is but as an outside observer that's just w- what the vibe feels like is different is is it just like last year they were pushing the right buttons at the right time and this year yeah they, i mean not. last year it just felt like they always had the right play dialed up mm-hmm. yeah um and like yeah you're just not really confident about that this year yeah, some of granted they've worked sometimes that like it worked well on the touchdown on the the Hertz rushing touchdown a QB draw on third and long fourth and long. I mean that's some college shit, man. That's not going to work in the NFL. It's it's worked for us sometimes, but I would like I've said this before too. I would like a little bit more offensive creativity in terms of the plays you're calling. I know the Eagles aren't like a heavy motion team. But use a little motion. Like, it works for the Rams. We'll see it on Sunday. It'll yeah, work for the Dolphins. Sure. Um, one thing I did like is that they started to use 21 personnel, which is two running backs mm-hmm. in a tight end. And then they had some plays where they had Devontae lined up in the backfield. So maybe Brian Johnson is starting to get it in terms of offensive play calling, like creativity. But uh, I haven't seen enough to really feel too enthused or encouraged by what he's what he's brought to the table. Yeah. But um, what else we got? Oh, I guess speaking of injuries, Lane Johnson, you were saying, do we know if he's going to play? Yeah, so, unclear. At least it sounds like he's, it's not going to be a long-term thing, which thank God. Like if this if this was like a high ankle sprain, he's going to be out for five weeks or something, then it's like that's really going to put the season in jeopardy. But um, Well, and these are the games coming up that like you, you don't want to It's a brutal miss. stretch, yeah. 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 Yeah, so Brian Baldinger, um, you guys know him. He's called NFL games. Yeah. He's a mm-hmm. football analyst, former former Eagle. He's apparently really good friends with Lane Johnson, uh, and yeah. like was work like he's been on a couple different podcasts this week saying like, yeah, I was hanging out with Lane at his barn and I was texting him all week. He says Lane's gonna play this week. <laughs> so sources, really good sources, yeah. are saying that Lane's okay. I mean, it's what a lateral ankle sprain. Yeah. Which I guess is just if you roll your ankle a little hard, probably doesn't feel good. He he rolled his ankle this way instead of this way. Yeah. Um. I mean, I'm sure it's not good, but I mean, he is like, like the toughest guy in the fucking league. I mean, yeah. He, he was like, he had like, what was that? That torn, a torn abdomen. Yeah. He played the, the whole playoffs last year. And the guy's like a, a fucking nutcase. But um, yeah. I mean, at least it's it's it sounds like something he. I don't know. I don't know if I'm not a doctor. I don't know if he should be playing with it on Sunday. Yeah. But he might do it anyway. And um Yeah, I don't know. Uh don't I don't definitely don't want to see any more Jack Driscoll at right tackle. Oh, I'll God, tell you that no. much. Yeah, yeah. They need they need a different answer if it if it's not laying. Yeah. I mean they've I guess they have tried a, a couple of times in the past of putting my lot over there, which What did he say? Not totally What's com- his quote? Oh, it's like trying to like 
right with your left hand or, or whatever. You're trying to, like trying to wipe your butt with your your other hand. Oh, is that what it you gets said? the job done, but it's not pretty. <laughs> Something to that effect. Yeah. Have, yeah. Have you it, hold on? What what hand do you usually wipe with? I'm a righty, so the right, of course. Jonah, what about you? I'm trying to think. I yeah, it's usually right. Yeah. Have you ever tried to? I'm a righty too. I'm just curious. Have you ever tried to wipe with your I, off hand? I, I've never had. I've never really had a reason to like be like, let's mix this up. <laughs> you were never curious. Now <laughs> like I, I'm not like it's not. You know, no, I've never. Have you? No. Just tried to do it with your off hand. Now I'm for curious. I might have to try. Hmm. I'll report back. Yeah, next you week. guys have to do it. Yeah, and do try it and we'll... let us know next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'll we'll report back goes. next week. Pat, Pat's listening. I assume. Yeah, know, he's he's gonna have to do it too. Yeah, Pat. Yeah. We all got to report back next week on our progress with wiping with the offhand. It seems like it'd be pretty difficult, though, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I've tried to write with yeah. my left hand, and it doesn't doesn't go great. So yeah, I would assume wiping kind of the same. <laughs> same same general family of motor yeah, skills. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, at least like if, if you're. You know, writing with a pen or something, worse that can happen is you, you know, put a line the wrong way or something. But what's the worst thing that could happen if you wipe with the wrong hand? I mean, the stakes are higher. You might end up, <laughs> yeah. might end up with, with a little doo doo on your hand. Yeah, that that's, you, that wouldn't be great. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah, yeah, you don't want that. But yeah, I mean, I don't know if 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 Lane doesn't play. Which Brian Baldinger is convinced he is playing, but if he doesn't play, I don't want to see Jack Driscoll. Can uh, what about Tyler Steen? Steen, yeah, we haven't Maybe seen we him. See yet, him. Right? I, I don't know. Or, Isn't he like an interior lineman? Well, he's he was a left tackle, I believe, in college. Oh, okay, they drafted him because they picture him as a right guard. Hmm. So if he's already on the right side, why not move him over the? T- I don't know. There's also been some talk about this guy, Fred Johnson, who had a really good preseason, who's massive. He's like Jordan Mailata size. Maybe. I don't know. Hopefully Lane plays. So I'll leave it at that. Well, it seems like uh, this week, like, the key is going to be to score points, right? Like, mm-hmm. the 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 Dolphins, uh, the one game they lost, they conceded 48 points to the Bills. So, it's like, if you're going to beat them, it's going to be by... By outscoring them, so whatever dual drums this offense has, they they need to get over it this week because this is their this is their first like good team that they're playing. Yeah, yeah, the first like yeah, really much. good first, contending like, contending yeah. team. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which I guess we can get to to this game. You think Julio Jones gives us a lift? He's he's probably not even going to play. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you might see a couple snaps. <laughs> I don't what, <laughs> don't expect him to get a catch or anything. What do y'all make of the Julio Jones signing? Um, I mean, I think it's fine. Um, Quez is going to be out for a little bit. Um, you know, it seems like he's like a guy that will be like respected in the locker room for what it's worth. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess in the past couple of years, I've, I've just learned not to, not to doubt Howie when he signs these like sort of like seemingly washed veterans. Like, I mean, <laughs> last year he brings in. Adamakan Sue and, and Linval Joseph. I mean, I don't did anyone think Linval Joseph was gonna be any good? He ended up being like really good for us. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I mean it's like it's a little different with like a um 
you know, wide receiver like that. Like he's you know not going to be playing as many snaps, not going to be like in the thick of things as much as a uh, you know defensive tackle or whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it could could provide something. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't hate it. We'll see. Yeah, it seems it seems fine for kind of the role that they're like they just need like a body at wide receiver basically. Um, there's like an AJ Brown component to this, which is kind of uh. I yeah, I mean, know. apparently AJ Brown was part of the reason that why they brought him into Tennessee a couple years ago. Yeah. So I guess I guess they're boys. Yeah. So him, I guess that's you know sorry, not a bad thing. Yeah, and him and Devontae are Alabama Alabama alumni, so. Mm. uh Hopefully, I would think Devontae looks at it as good for him. I mean, he's a Hall of Fame receiver, so if nothing else in the locker room, these guys can kind of pick his brain and learn a thing or two. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do worry that he's probably a little washed. I mean, he's older than me. Which yeah, I mean, he's been on like four teams he's probably four one years, of like... the only receivers in the league older than me, quite frankly, <laughs> yeah. at this point. But uh, what do I have written down here? Last year, in 10 games... He had 24 receptions for 299 yards and two TDs. So that's not really Apex production. But what I'll say is that statistically, I remember watching the, the Bucks cowboys game where the Bucks got smoked in the playoffs last year. Oh, yeah. Julio looked good. He was running away from guys. Yeah. So, like, maybe this is something where we don't overuse him, just bring him in here or there, be a decoy. He can probably block. He's a big dude, right? 6'3", 220. Oh, yeah, he's enormous so He's guy, basically yeah. a second tight end. He can block a little bit, use him sparingly, and save him for when we really need him down the stretch. But either way, should be better than Quez Watkins. He'll know which direction to run in on a screen, <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can't do much worse than, than Quez. Yeah, I always liked Quez, but the last couple of years, he's just completely fallen out of favor with yeah. me. Yeah, I was a big believer in Quez going into last season, and then he quickly, yeah, made yeah. me realize that that was not that was not going to come together. I mean, like has like a terrible, he has like that terrible fumble against Washington that maybe cost him the game. He uh, should have had a walk in touchdown in the Super Bowl if he just like doesn't like <laughs> gets, keeps running, doesn't die for the like, yeah. Definitely, uh, definitely soured on on Quez. Sorry, buddy. There's a reason he was a fifth round pick. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, looking ahead to Sunday, Julio probably didn't give us a whole lot. But I don't know why, man. I think we win this game. I've been <laughs> I've been yeah. saying this since we lost to the Jets. I just have this irrational confidence that the Eagles are going to win on Sunday. I don't really have a whole. I have a couple ideas, and a couple ways I think we could win. None of it really makes a whole hell of a lot of sense. I just think the way that they lost to the Jets, they're going to be pissed. They're going to be disgusted. We're at home. The crowd's going to be all jacked up because the Phillies will have clinched the, a trip to the World Series. Yeah, we're Kelly Greens win. are coming out. Yeah, the Kelly oh, Greens. The Kelly that's Greens. a good, yeah, yeah, that's a good intangible game. too. Yeah. But yeah, I think as far as I'm concerned, the Dolphins have a great offense, at least as far as weapons. I mean, we're talking most dirt. A-chain's hurt, but uh, they still have Tyreek Hill, obviously, Jalen Waddle. I mean, if the skill position, two is great, they're set. Yeah. Their offensive line apparently isn't great. I think our pass rush. If I we, mean, that's going to be the key is if they can get pressure on him and force him to get the ball out quick because you, you don't want, like, 
long plays developing, give him time to like throw deep balls to Tyreek exactly. Hill. Because like if there if he has time, like Tyreek Hill is going to burn whoever's at, at cornerback, yeah, especially so. with this with the secondary the way the yeah way it it's yeah. all banged up. Yeah. Like you definitely wanted to like. I mean, like, I hate this. I, it pains me to say this, but it, this might be a time to, like, incorporate more of, like, a Gannon-style defense to just, like, take away those <laughs> big plays, keep, keep, keep <laughs> the passes underneath, and just... The whole, uh, the whole defense is going to have to take the bus to the stadium. Yeah, Sorry, yeah exactly. <laughs> I uh, This is going to sound weird, but, like, I think sometimes a team needs to lose, and, like, the Eagles kind of needed to lose, right? Like, every week they, they kind of look like shit, but they won the game. Yeah. So at the press conference, gives them like the false sense of security. Yeah, the bit, press yeah. conference, they would like Jalen would come out there and be like, "Well, we won. I don't understand why I'm being criticized." And now that they lost, it's like now you have to confront these problems and like you have to actually admit that there are issues with the team. Yeah. So I kind of, I kind of am, and with you, Avery, that like I, I feel like maybe this is like the week where the offense finally like gets their shit together and it's like, oh, we can't, we can't coast off of what we did last year. We actually have to show up and play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it does feel like the type of game. Like, I, I am expecting Jalen Hurts to bounce back in a big way this week. I, I think the offense is going to be good. It's, I mean, it's just all going to come down to whether the, the defense can contain this like Dolphins team that has just like, gone crazy every every week. Like, yeah, um, yeah, they just have a really electric, dynamic offense. Um, though, I mean, to our credit, like. Last week, like the defense was not the reason we lost that game at all. Like they held their well, the own. defense played their ass off I mean, with they, all those injuries in the secondary. Yeah, yeah, I mean they were holding them to field goals all game. They didn't. The only touchdown they scored was off that that uh, that interception, and then they just let them walk in so we could get the ball back. Um, so you know they could hold up, but like I was saying, like they do have like so a lot of speed um, on the outside. If, I'm assuming, like, I mean, Slay probably isn't going to be back. Oh, no, Slay, is Slay, be back? Slay practiced today. Oh, is he? Okay. Oh, nice. I think Slay I mean, should be was, back. Is Jalen Carter going to play? Yeah, he he practiced today. Okay. Yeah. Reed Blankenship did not. Yeah, the safety is position great. is a yeah. concern for sure. They got, they're, they're like down to, no, I mean, Sidney Brown's not close to being no, back. No, he? He, I think he did practice today. Oh, is he back too? Okay. But he's well, a rookie going against this team. Yeah, That's not know, great. Well, and like if there's one team where you need your safeties, it's the one with Tyreek Hill. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I think yeah. pass rush is going to have to get home. The other thing I think we're going to have to see is I hate to be a hashtag run the ball guy, but we got to control the time of possession a little bit to keep that offense off the field. Those are two paths to winning. Um, control the ball, get pressure on the quarterback, four short throws, and just make them dink and dunk, which they're perfectly capable of doing. But it's just gonna it's gonna take a longer time, and it's gonna keep them from running up sixty points on us. Um, I got a score prediction for for me. I think we win thirty eight thirty five. I think it's gonna be a good game. It's gonna be a close game. I think. Right now, the line is Eagles minus two and a half. So, yeah, 38-35. We, we barely cover. Goes over. What is the line? Uh, it's my Eagles minus two and a half. Really? Yeah, I was surprised. It opened, I was surprised by that. Yeah. It opened at minus two and a half, and it hasn't changed unless huh. it changed t- today. Yeah, I think the home field advantage is down to like one and a half points or somewhere around there. So, that <coughs> that means that they still think the Eagles are the superior team. Okay. 
it's interesting, but yeah. Unless they're giving, I mean, they may be giving us like, they may be giving the Eagles more because it's like a Philly, like that, that's probably the a different Philly crowd. Bump. Yeah. Probably a different crowd from like what the Chargers were getting that's <laughs> against true. the Cowboys yeah, they're on getting Monday a Philly night. Bump. Other uh, than that lady was freaking out, man. That lady was more into any football game than anyone has ever been uh, in his yeah, she, she probably had I mad money the, on the game. Yeah, yeah. I love all the like, theor- like, conspiracy theories like this is a paid actor <laughs> like, cri- a crisis actor <laughs> yeah crisis actor yeah yeah like uh well it was funny because they also like everyone thought like they found they dug up this picture of her with like a viking shirt on and they're like oh we got her this is not real and it turns out it's like her son is like plays for like the vikings and they're like peewee football league <laughs> that's why she has like a vikings jersey jesus yeah yeah Y'all got a score prediction? Uh, I haven't really thought about this, but um, I'm going to say, and it pains me to say, is I don't think I have not predicted an Eagles loss yet on this podcast. But I'm going to say uh, Miami 35, Eagles 28. Hmm, okay. I'm saying I'm saying points. I'm saying Eagles pull it out, but don't cover 42, 41. Oh wow! Oh. Uh, Damn, Blood, that would be a hell of a out. game. Shoot out numbers on the board. I think that I think that that's what it's going to take to beat the Dolphins. I think it's like the offense has to show up to this game. They have to put points on the board, and I think they're going to do it. Damn, well that'd be really exciting. Hope so. For, for the record, I think Trevor and we did our uh, our picks when the schedule came loss. out. We had this yeah. as a loss, so. I did not have the Jets as a loss, and that was when, I did. That was yeah. when I thought they were going to have Aaron Rodgers. Aaron I Rogers. still had as a win. But. If they had Rodgers, the Eagles probably win that game. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Spends halftime in the darkness retreat. You know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. gets too whacked out on ayahuasca. Yeah, he's he's all yeah. fucked up on ivermectin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all I got written down here, though. As far as uh, Sunday goes. Go birds! We'll have our fantasy. Oh, we'll have our fantasy basketball draft this weekend. That's right. Yeah, have you guys done your done your prep yet? Hell no! no. I, gotta, I, gotta, I, I still <laughs> don't even know what my keepers are going to be. I gotta. I, I only have a day to figure that out. So yeah, I'll, you gotta I'll figure that, that out. But uh, I guess that is just about going to do it for us here tonight. Uh, please leave us a five star rating and review. Every podcast. Follow us on TikTok. Subscribe to YouTube. Follow us on Instagram and uh, and, and X. Send us <laughs> an email. X. Yeah, yeah. Send us an email. I've 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 been forgetting about the email thing, but send us an email at citywidepod at gmail dot com. Have you Have you guys gotten any emails? I don't yet? think so. Uh, I'll make sure we get a couple. I don't so know. Yeah. A couple people told me they want to email us. Yeah, Do it. Send this emails. is the week. Yeah, yeah. send us emails. Send us. Send. Yeah, get them. Get them in. Uh, and from all of us here at the Citywide, good morning, good afternoon, good night. Peace. See ya.